Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Clippings Podcast, where we review nail papers and share them with you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hello. All right. My article today is called Skin Reactions Associated with Acrylic Nail Cosmetics with a Focus on Home Kits. Is There a Need for Regulation? It was published in the Journal of the American Contact Dermatitis Society in 2023, online ahead of print. The authors are, and apologies for mispronouncing any names, uh, Jana Gunther, Thomas Norman, Chu Fei Wei, and Bradlin Adler. The reason for this work was the fact that home acrylic manicure kits have become widely available in the United States, and they are fully unregulated. Meanwhile, they are becoming more and more popular for home users. One of the components of these kits is acrylates, and these are thermoplastic resins, and the monomer form is a potent contact allergen. If it's cured correctly and fully, the final polymer is non-allergenic, but if there's any residual monomer, that's what really sets the patient up for uh, the acrylic contact dermatitis. Both traditional acrylic nails and the newer gel nails, as well as dip nails, use acrylates, and they require UV or LED light to be fully cured or polymerized. But traditional liquid nail polish does not contain acrylates. So these acrylates have been well known to cause a variety of mostly occupational allergic contact dermatitis among nail technicians in the past. But as it's become more popular to do these home manicures and do them at home, the so-called non-occupational rate of allergies has been rising. HEMA or 2-hydroxyl-ethylmethacrylate is the most commonly implicated allergen. So to find out more about this topic, the authors administered an anonymous survey to two Facebook nail allergy support groups, which were called Nail Allergies, Disease, and Disorder Support and Nail Allergy Support by icon.iq, respectively. 199 respondents completed the survey, 99% of them were female, 83% white, and 63% lived in the United States, while 23% lived in the UK. 78% of these people in the support group for nail allergies had used a home acrylic nail kit, and more than half of these had actually recently started using their home kit during the COVID-19 pandemic. Most of them received their information about the use of these kits from the internet, and it was most frequently social media at 68%. The vast majority of the respondents got their kits from online sources, and 74% sought online training, such as YouTube videos. But 12% of people had received no training whatsoever, even a YouTube video. 98% of the home users reported using a UV or LED light to cure the polish, and 83% reported first developing skin reactions sometime after they started to use the home kits. And uh, when they looked at home users versus in-salon users, the 38% were more likely to develop these reactions within a year versus only 21% of the salon users. The fingers were the most commonly affected site, and symptoms included itching, dryness, redness, and these symptoms had a really significant 
quality of life impact with 86% of all the respondents rating them as very much or a lot uh, with with respect to itching, soreness, pain, or stinging. Only 56% of the respondents sought medical care for their skin reactions and only 17% reported receiving testing, most likely patch testing. So these survey results provide some interesting data about what many of us have observed, which is that these home users are at significant risk for developing acrylate allergies. And the COVID-19 lockdown may have played a pretty big role in this trend with people either having too much time on their hands, particularly in 2020, and nail salons being closed back then. The fact that home users developed the allergies sooner than the non-home users suggests that the home users are more at risk for these, and that's likely because of inadequate training with regard to applying the acrylate product and also with regard to curing it. Home users may also be less skilled, particularly when they have to use their non-dominant hand to apply the acrylate product to the dominant hand, might be more likely to get some on the skin. And if that is uncured, then it puts people at risk for developing this contact dermatitis. The authors also propose that people might be applying these products more often at home because they don't have all the barriers of needing to go into the salon and pay for it. So that provides more times that the person's at risk for being exposed to the monomer product. The study also found lower facial involvement at 17% than other analyses had been done, which had been more in the 40% range. However, they found eyelid involvement to be about 12% of patients, and that was similar to prior results. The authors then provide a good discussion of the fact that there's no restrictions at all regarding the age or the training level of people who are allowed to purchase these home products in the United States, whereas in the European Union, there are regulations that essentially limit the use of HEMA-containing nail products to be sold to professionals only. So although it might be very unpopular here, a similar regulation in the United States would likely prevent a significant amount of nail-related allergic contact dermatitis. And in the absence of this, it's important that we provide education to those who do home manicuring with these products. I appreciated the data in this study, as well as the fact that they used social media to find people who are using these products and have experienced these reactions. You know, as the patients or the respondents themselves reported, half of them had not sought medical care for this problem. So they would be difficult to reach in a traditional research fashion. So this project shows a good use of social media in a research context. I I agree with you, April. This was a really well done article and uh, good to inform our patients. Thank you. Um, Catherine, tell us what you read about. Okay, I chose two articles recently published in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology related to pain in nail procedures. The first is titled, Combination of Acetaminophen and Ibuprofen is Non-Inferior to Acetaminophen and Hydroquinone for Post-Nail Procedure Analgesia, a Randomized Controlled Trial by Drs. Wong, Ricardo, and Lipner. He published ahead of print in August 2023. In this study, 20 patients undergoing nail surgery over 18 years received intraoperative analgesia with 1% lidocaine and 0.75% ropivacaine. For postoperative analgesia, starting six hours after surgery until day two, Patients were randomized to either hydrocodone 5 milligrams, acetaminophen 325 milligrams every four hours, 
or acetaminophen, 1,000 milligrams, ibuprofen, 400 milligrams every six hours. Pain levels were assessed twice daily for six days. The mean intraoperative pain score was only 0.1 plus or minus 0.2. So this shows our lidocaine repivacaine method worked. The mean pain score six hours postoperatively was 6.0 plus or minus 2.3, which is consistent with moderate to severe pain. And this decreased 0.8 points per day until day six. There were no significant differences in mean pain scores or quality of life impact scores between the two groups. So this confirms that nail surgery is indeed associated with moderate to severe postoperative pain, and this peaks at 6 to 12 hours post-surgery. But interestingly, at six hours, the postoperative pain in the present study using the mixture of lidocaine and repivacaine was similar to that of lidocaine alone in a prior study, both with a mean score around six. So this suggests that while repivacaine is longer acting, by six to 12 hours, it may not make a significant difference in pain control. In addition, acetaminophen and ibuprofen is non-inferior to acetaminophen hydrocodone for pain management up to two days post-op. So I think we should provide patients with specific instructions regarding cycling acetaminophen and ibuprofen in their postoperative handouts. And the second article was titled, uh, Breath of Fresh Air, Use of Deep Breathing Techniques to Minimize Pain with Nail Injections by Rachel Hill, Dr. Chernoff, and Dr. Lipner, published in October 2023. So as we had just described, nail procedures can be painful. Nail injections are also uncomfortable despite our distraction techniques such as tapping or vibration, ethyl chloride, and tachesthesia. In a randomized controlled trial of 200 patients undergoing general anesthesia, patients randomized to deep breathing had reduced pain compared to normal breathing. So the authors propose that we instruct patients to inhale deeply through their nose immediately prior to injection and to exhale through pursed lips in short, rapid exhales during the injection. The use of this method in their practice has increased the tolerability of nail procedures, and it's simple and free to to try. So I'll definitely ask my patients to do this during my next nail injection. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to try that too. And I have to say, I'm interested to try that one. And for the first article, I was looking at what nail procedures the patients were having. And it looks like in both groups, the most common one, the indication was for longitudinal melanonychia. And I, I definitely routinely Tylenol and ibuprofen. I think that works really well. So I would, mm-hmm. um, I would agree. And it's nice to have data to back that up. All right, Catherine, thank you for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for your attention. Please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we're doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com or find us on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter, at Nail Disorders.